2: Morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and this is the show where we go over we go over yesterday's slate. We talk DFS strategy. We take a look through Results DB. We go through the process of playing DFS. This is a teaching show, not a pick show. Remember, it's eleven o'clock in the morning. There's an NBA slate, six games. Uh, eight hours from now, uh, by now and then, uh, who knows, right? Is Embiid playing? Is Jeremy Grant playing? Right? We don't know, right? Is Porzingis going to sit? We don't know. That, 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 that'll change everything. So to go over and try to build lineups now seems kind of, seems kind of pointless till later in the day. So, so you got to review. Too, too few people review their process. Okay. So, so, I, I mean that's why i focus so much on this show on process and review because not enough people do it but i do it in the morning right sometimes sometimes i slack off sometimes you know only for five minutes right 10 minutes let me take a look let me take a look uh, mm, 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 mm. get on with my life right sometimes i sometimes i dive deep sometimes sometimes i spend an hour or two and uh, i wanted to highlight that because today uh i see you guys in the youtube chat by the way give me those tummy thumbs Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Good morning, everyone in the chat room. Uh, you could always post your questions, any type of questions, any type of comments. No matter if I'm rambling on for 20 minutes, you could always post it in the YouTube chat. I will scroll back. I will. I will answer as many as I can. Uh, but yesterday, uh, yesterday was a good day. Not in cash games. I mean, I kind of broke even on DraftKings cash. Uh, failed on FanDuel, but I did come in sixth in the putback dunk. I was. I was competing for first. At at, at at within the you know the the ha- the second half of the last games, uh, but I I didn't make it. Uh, but uh, th- this is one of my favorite contests on DraftKings. It's a two hundred and fifty dollar entry for entry max, uh, and I enter one one line. I don't enter four because uh, the payout structure is fairly flat. Right, I'd rather kind of be like maybe 12, five, 10, you know a little, little bit than that seventy five hundred up top over there. But I like the nice. It's it's a bit flatter. Uh, came in sixth. Uh, with the lineup, uh, Cole Anthony, KCP, Giddy, Giannis, Precious, Graham, Bain, who got a, got a he got cut on his head or something, he had to go to the locker room. He didn't come back. The game wasn't competitive in the fourth quarter anyway. And Russell Westbrook. Uh, so so that netted me uh, three thousand dollars on a two hundred and fifty dollar entry. So that that made my night profitable, but not but not really by that much, right? Fanduel, I got whooped because uh, I, I played a line. I played a non Giannis lineup uh and uh and didn't and Giannis put up enough points that the the up and down build it was a 2v2 i had to choose between a Giannis lineup and a non Giannis lineup i didn't think Giannis was necessary on fan duel on DraftKings. he was uh and didn't make it didn't make it so uh so you can see see squirrel patrols right up right above me right see because nurkic got there at 35 right he had batum right right if i would have played batum over kcp i would have gotten 10 extra points i would have came in i would have came in second for 7500 and that would that was an option for me but i don't build remember i don't build my lineups by hand okay but i don't build my lineups by i'm going to build you know x amount of lineups like i built 10 lineups yesterday right i i I saved this from yesterday just to show you so what i'm doing is i'm building hundreds of lineups right have a hundred set Seeing seeing what they look like compared to a cash lineup, and seeing where that ownership line is, where I could, you know, I, I found the optimal was at two eighty three, and I got a dip down to like one fifty eight for this lineup, right? Or, or a lineup similar to this, uh, sacrificing only about three points. So I saw I I, I judge that to be the line instead of playing lineups that were like at two hundred to ten like i could drop about 60 project uh, 60 ownership points for three projection points so i'm like okay that seems good for the contest that i'm playing which is a little bit smaller field not ridiculously small field you know four, 400 to 1000 to 1200 somewhere around that range uh, if i if i were playing a larger field maybe i'd go down a little bit lower but looking through lineups i saw that like somewhere between like 135 and 160 was like, the, like I could I could find lineups that project well enough uh that are good there. So I run line, I run lineups and I'm going I got a lot of Desmond Bain. I got a lot of Josh Giddy, I got a lot. Of <coughs> I got a lot of precious Achua. I did get a lot a lot of Malik Monk. Uh so seeing like, okay, I'm playing 10 lineups. Like what 10 lineups do I want to play? Because I could play all 10 with Desmond Bain. I could play all 10 with Josh Giddy. I could play all 10 with a bunch of these guys. But uh, I thought the, the leverage play on the slate was to play Anthony Davis over Russell Westbrook uh, because of Anthony Davis's late status and then he was in. and the, the ownership difference was vast, and I thought there were a lot of other good guard plays on the slate, right? We, we got, we got Devonte Graham. We got, uh, I mean, I played SGA, Chris Paul, even CJ McCollum. Uh, I got Ray John. If you play, play, don't play Westbrook, you play Rondo instead. Right. So I was looking at those types of lineups. Uh, I thought KCP projected in a very similar range as Monk and as Batum uh, at almost no ownership. So like he, he ended up staying in my player pool. So like in my player pool, I only had, I only had 34, 34 players that I chose. And you can see here, I adjusted the ownership, right? So I'm basing my ownership uh, on on the large field contests. not there's the small field ones, and then, then I pare it down from there. But uh, in looking around the industry, like I was way off on Fred VanVleet. Like I was way like Westbrook came in way higher than I thought he would come. Right? I mean, we had we had Westbrook on Draft teams at 21.8. Like I knew that was low. But around the industry, most 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 places, 24 to 28, right? A little bit more balanced. Obviously, M- Monk and uh, Giannis were the highest. But a lot of the field just, just clicked on what just Westbrook, Giannis, build my lineup. So now, based on my numbers here that I ran, it's all based on my projected ownership. But had I known that Russell Westbrook would be way o- higher owned, this lineup actually is not 158 it's like 178 right and then the cole anthony lineups come down you know this is 12 instead of 22 so where where would this lineup be right taking the actual ownership like once i saw fred van vliet's ownership at like 10 percent, and i had him projected at 32 i should have had more fred van vliet in my life. I had one Fred Van Vliet that I wasn't, I was less likely to play him because he was, I thought he was going to be 30 plus percent owned and he wasn't right. And you're not going to be perfect. Trust me. You're not, you're not perfect at predicting ownership, but on this specific slate, I was off enough that I wanted to rerun my process. So I wanted to rerun my process in front of you guys, just to show how I would review this slate. So essentially what I'm looking to do is like, is you're always trying to think, had I known, had I known ownership-wise, not had you known point what they did in the basketball game. Had I known this guy would get injured, I wouldn't play. Like, that, that, that's who cares about the results. Had you known how the field would have reacted, would your lineup be any different? So, like, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to look in the large field GPP. So, I'm going to look at the ownerships here, right here. And I'm going to plug in the actuals in. Okay? So, I'm going to move this to the side because it's easier if I have two screens. I'm going to go through, right? So I have the projected ownership and I'm going to change it to the actual ownership. So if we go just by peon, so Monk wasn't 42, Monk was 52, right? Giannis was 38, not 40. And it, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not going to put in 0.27. Like I just even it out. Melton, Melton came in actually way under a 24 instead of 36. Van Vliet was... I mean, he was like 10, 10 in the large field, 13. Okay. I'm just taking the first two numbers. It's 13.95. So if you're rounding up, it will be 14, but I'm just taking the first two numbers. We don't have to be perfect, right? I mean, you could, you could drag this all into Excel and you could, you could do it exactly if you want. But here's a way that if you don't know how to do those functions, you could just do it manually. So SGA came in a little bit under 30, came in at 25, Batum came in much lower than I thought. I guess people just didn't like clicking on his name. I mean, he was owned. But Batum was was 15, not 28. Russell Westbrook was way, way, way higher. People were making those stars and scrubs bills way more than I thought. 44 here. So let's put in 44. Desmond Bain was higher, I think, higher than 24. He was 31. 31. Grayson Allen. He was owned enough, right? 11. So not 24. OG came in at 15. Cole Anthony came in much lower than I thought. I think I think he was like 11. Where's Cole Anthony here? Search players. 14. 14 in the large field. Dort was nine. And you'll see why I'm doing this, okay? It'll just look like, oh, why are you putting in all these? Why do you need to put them all in? Well, we're going to run lineups and see how, how different they are had I have known. So Anthony Davis came in lower than I thought he would be. I thought I was getting him good at, at 20%. If he was 15, I mean, I, 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 think, I, I think I did well there at 15. Trent, oh, seven. So not 16. Precious came in around 16, right? He was he's around there. 17. Close enough. Josh Giddy, I think, came in a little bit higher. No, no, about the same. Oh, I'm close there. 15. Ubre with Rozier out, was only seven. Right? Because basically Stars and Scrubs is, is just knocking. Because with Westbrook's ownership going up, like all the, all the cheaper guys are going to get a little bit more owned. Tatum. I didn't play any of, but he was only seven. Like these balanced builds, just like, there weren't as many as I thought there would be. Nurkic eight, Mo Bamba was more popular in Fanduel. He was eleven. CJ, I thought would be. I, I thought CJ would be much higher owned. I thought I was coming in low on twelve. No, it was seven. Middleton six. I mean, look! Look how dramatically these differences are. Devonte Graham, I think, was actually higher. Devontae Graham, no, eight. He was higher in the in the, the smaller field. Rondo wasn't ten. Around the industry, people had projected Rondo much higher. Four for Rondo, not 104. Lamelo, ten. Okay, that's good. Scotty Barnes, who is more of a play on Fanduel than on DraftKings. He was three. Chris Paul was five. Jonas Valanciunas came in much lower than eight, even on DraftKings six. Okay, not that bad, bad of a difference. Trey Young is four. And of course, I'm not counting the guys that I didn't have in my player pool. Maybe I would have had different guys in my player pool had I had I known the ownership. But I can only do what, I'm, what, what I did. Harden came in at two. Durant, we're almost done. Durant came in at three. Rashawn Holmes came in at three. We're close enough. Caldwell Pope was barely owned. Two instead of four. D'Angelo Russell barrel one. Well, I mean, zero essentially 0.891. Okay. So we got all of those in. I'm going to move this over here so we could see exactly what I did. So I'm putting in the actual ownership in. Okay. So now I was using a range that I found, which may be wrong now between 135 and 160. So based on if I knew if the ownership was perfect, that what I would put in, What would be the best lineups in this range and what would they project, right? Because we have the the top optimal for a cash game lineup right here is uh, 288.79, okay? So I was looking to build lineups in the 280 range, right? We take a look at my lineups like 280, right? So let's build 50 for time's sake. A lot of times i would build 300. So what do these look, lineups look like when I'm capped at that 160 total ownership? So what do they look like? Okay, still getting a lot of bane, a lot of Precious. Got a lot more McCollum. You, get, you actually get more Batum. You don't get as, as much Devante Graham as I did yesterday. Don't get as much Cole Anthony as I did yesterday. I, bet, I don't get as much, uh, let's see. Giannis, I still get Caldwell Pope. I get more Scotty Barnes based on his 3% ownership. Right, I get more but right because the ownership changes everything. So like the top lineup is more like this. I get mo- I get much more McCollum. Westbrook Davis, I get a lot of Westbrook Davises together. right? Let's say I didn't want to play Westbrook and Davis together because I'm getting a lot of them because Davis's ownership is just driving you know 15%. right It's still getting 283, 283, right? Actually these lineups are better than the ones that I made yesterday, right? Because the other ones were projecting at 280 for that ownership. These are 283. So I'm, I, my ownership discrepancy cost me three projected points. So that, to me, that's how you judge on a day-to-day basis. Based on what I believe the ownership was gonna be, it cost me in three, project, in three projection points for being off on ownership. So let's say, let's say I didn't want to play lineups with Westbrook and Davis together. Right. So I, I I think I played one or two like that. So if I go in and I say, you know, no Westbrook and Davis, something like that. Maybe I didn't want to play Bain and Melton together. Maybe something we're just putting in some of the things, right. Anything else that stands out here that I wouldn't have done? I have no idea. So let's let's run fifty again. So see if we get Westbrook lineups, we get Davis lineups. Okay, now we got a lot. Of, we got all the, a lot of Raptors together. So maybe I don't play more than two two Raptors in the same lineup. Maybe I don't. I don't get that many of those. Still get a lot of Bane. Still get a lot of Precious. Still get two eighty two point seven two. Right. I just don't, I just don't, don't, I don't get a lot of Malik Monk. Actually, Malik Monk is the thing that gets knocked out of the because he's 52% owned. And if we take a look at the, the the projections. So for instance, from a median projection standpoint, Malik Monk was 24.43 at 52%. So you could understand why, like Caldwell Pope was 1963 but at only 2% ownership, right? Or you just avoid that type of construction altogether. I mean, even Rondo. Rondo was 18.86 at 4% ownership. So it'd be 10, 12, 14 times less owned. So how would have my lineups changed that dramatically? Would I have gotten much more Fred VanVleet? Well, I've gotten some, right? I could have played this type of lineup. Rondo... Van Vliet, Bain, Giannis, Precious, Shy, Batum, McCullum. This lineup would have would have cashed, right? This lineup would have been fine with Giannis and Van Vliet. Shy at 47, Batum at 26, Rondo at 18, Bain at almost 30. Right, this, this, would have did, this would have done just fine. It doesn't look that much different than my other lineup. No, it really doesn't. Here's one with Cole Anthony, Kelly Oubre, right? This doesn't look all that different from my lineup. I just have more Van Vliet. Like, oh, I mean, obviously I'm just looking at my Van Vliet lineups. Right, Rondo Davis, Pret, like, th- th- these don't look that different. Right, I probably, I would have gotten more OG. Would have gotten more Middleton. I didn't play any Middleton. But I mean, it's the same type of thing, like with Malik Monk. Like, I barely got Malik Monk. And in the lineups that I played, I mean, I, I played four Malik Monk lineups, but I didn't have to. Right? I didn't get any Rashawn Holmes anymore. Didn't get any Jonas, Nurkic, Bamba. I don't think I did. How, how much Bamba did I get? Cole Anthony here. You yeah, got not much Bamba. Right? Because I'm being filled by Precious Achua. But let's say, let's say we take Precious Achua out. So, what do the top 50 lineups look like in that ownership range without precious it? Do we get still stay above two, 280 at least? And this is based on actual ownership now. Okay, 282. Okay, so I didn't okay, you didn't have to. You're playing Rondo and Westbrook together. Not sure if you do that necessarily, but I mean. Yeah, these lines, the non precious lineups look look pretty similar. Also, And they look similar to the lineups today. I, I mean, it's like it's not that dramatically different. I got a trade young lineup here. Let's say I, I didn't play Bane. Right. Let's see what do what do those lineups look like without Bane or Achilla? Do I stay above two eighty? I okay. Just let's see two Yeah, I get I get just that 280. It's obviously going to have a lot of bitumen. In it. A lot of CJ McCollum at 7% ownership. I thought he was a great play yesterday at his own at his 12% ownership at 7%. It makes him, I probably would have played like how many McCollum lineups did I have out of 10? Three, I probably would have played him in more like six to eight lineups. Then. Had I known his ownership was only going to be seven versus 12. And it has nothing to do with what he scored. He scored like 42 points or something. It has nothing to do with the results has to do with what, what would I have known? Obviously, once I start taking out Precious and Bane, now I start getting a lot more Monk. Got a lot more Matum. So let's do the opposite way. Take out Batum and Monk and put, put back Bane and Precious. Well, I'm not, I wasn't getting that much Monk here anyway, but I took out Batum. Who so ends up filling that spot? I'm assuming I'm going to get a little bit more KCP, maybe a little bit more Ananobi or Grayson Allen. Josh Giddy, Yeah, Josh Giddy gets bumped up. so I'm taking away a small forward spot and a shooting guard spot. Right? But I, I would have gotten more Scotty Barnes. Like, Scotty Barnes didn't end up in, in just anything. I think he was going to be 10%, though, not 3%. Here's Mo Bamba. DeAnthony Melton, I wouldn't have, I mean, I wouldn't have cared that much about. And I would have had a lot more CJ McCullough. this is what i do go through take a look and go compare the your projected ownership to the actual ownership and so how would have my lineups changed how would have my lineups been different as you see here my lineups wouldn't been that dramatically different sometimes you'll see that it would be dramatically different based on this i see that i probably would have had you know more van vliet more McCollum, a little bit less westbrook i still probably would have played anthony davis Desmond Bain, Precious, I still would have had plenty of. I would have had less of Malik Monk, which I would, that's what I was planning on at 52% ownership. I would have less Graham and Bomba, and they did well. That would have been made up for the fact that I have Van Vliet and OG and SGA a little bit more, Giddy. They did well. So, so what do I learn from this? That doesn't look that much, right? My lineups look, look about the same. Right, would I have played three Thunder together? No. I mean, I I, I would have made some rules. Right. It's looking right. Maybe not play three Raptors together. So I've eliminated some of these lineups, but for the most part, the lineups kind of looked at there's nothing that just stands out. That oh, now that the ownership is this way, Gary Trent is in 68% of my lineups. Like, like it doesn't, it didn't work out that way. Still get plenty of Westbrook, still get plenty. I mean, Ronda was only four percent owned, so I should have, I should have played him at 3100 more so than like KCP even though KCP was coming up plenty so i hope you understand this process this is something that you could do in the morning you could use results db go to the ownership of the, you know the large field contest whatever whatever it is that you're using the ownership to plug into your system and plug in take all the ownership and put it in cuz we have the historic information right Jalen McDaniels had a, himself a game, right? The Charlotte bench, Jared Vanderbilt started and got 33 fantasy points and no one played him. Harold benefited from Gafford's injury. Aiton had a game. Baisley had a game. Simons had a game. I mean, Giddy was good. I mean, you can take a look through here. But like leave, leave your, leave, when, when you're done with lineup HQ for, for, for the night, leave it up. Right. So you could still utilize, you know, what you have in here and then change the ownership and and see what would have changed. Right. The projections aren't changing, but the ownership is changing. And if you're looking like, oh, I'm building lineups that have a max total ownership of 160, it's like, well, what are those best lineups now that you now that you don't have Malik Monk at 44 and you have him at 52? Now that you don't have Fred Van Vliet at 32, you have him at 14 or whatever. Now, what does that look like? And if you see big differences, you go, wow, had I known that, I would have had these types of lineups. And wow, I would have done really well. Well, then you got to get better at projecting ownership, better at, better at building lineups that are within a certain range. Maybe this was the wrong range, right? I would have to draw, build out a couple of 300 builds to figure out, you know, maybe, maybe 160 for the contest that I'm playing is still too low. Maybe I could have played somewhere between 160 and 180. Right? if I did something like that, maybe I could have been could have been even chalkier, like one sixty to one eighty. Like, what do those lineups look like? like? Let me run fifty for there with the actuals. Like, how much projection am I giving up? Two eighty five at one sixty five. Yeah, yeah, I, I I gave up a little too much projection. Yeah, because look at these lineups. They, these lineups look very similar to the ones that I was in. And tons of Russell Westbrook. Essentially, once I up up the ownership. It basically says just jamming all the Russell Westbrook, right? I still have plenty of McCollum, Bain, Giannis. Brad, I mean, and I could have played these in the in the, the 250, 444 person contest. Are these con- are these lineups a little too chalky for like the fadeaway? Maybe, but even then, these aren't these these aren't that. Tr- I mean, one sixty five is still low go through here, right? I mean, you, you set up groups, right? Maybe you don't want to play Dort and Giddy together. Maybe you don't want to play Giannis and Middleton together. I mean, this is without using any type of groups whatsoever. Just top 50 lineups, whatever. Here's Chris Paul. I probably wouldn't have played that much Chris Paul because Fred Van Vliet at 13% and Cole Anthony at 14% versus like the twice that I had them at. Wasn't worth playing Chris Paul at five. Like they, the other guys projected just so much better. So I hope you get this. This is another way to use lineup HQ as a tool to get better at DFS that has nothing to do with just, I need to build lineups and that's the only thing I'm ever going to use it for. I'm going to plug in some settings and press a button and then upload my CSV and not understand what you do. Lineup HQ is is a calculator. Why not use it? Use it as a tool to do any type of research, any type of experiments that you'd want especially when it's so much easier in lineup HQ than it would be in like trying to figure out if you're not, if you're not good at Excel or R or Python or, you, you know, scripting out things yourself. Like you could do it this blunt way. This blunt way is going to be directionally accurate more so than most of the people. Going through the YouTube chat. Feel free to post. Give me those dummy thumbs. Uh, Michael Dampier, in tournaments, the $3 ownership of players was significantly different than the high-dollar ownerships. Is that likely because the sharp players can't enter $3 contests? Yes. The sharper. There are plenty of sharp people that play low-stakes contests. I don't want to say that they're not. But three on DraftKings, $3 and down, like, I can't play those contests, right? The Burrito Brothers can't play those contests, right? Or Giant Squid, Brick 75, none, none of them can. So you're getting rid of a lot of 150 maxers that are, you know, the top players in the industry. They can't play those. So typically, the ownership is more inefficient in the lower stakes. I mean, that's what I show in Results DB all the time. I mean, if we go to Results DB, you could even bring that up. Like, let's go to NBA. Go to ownership. So three dollars. What, what's the name of the three dollars contest? what the sharpshooter okay so we're comparing the sharpshooter to the what the fade away is that good or the four-point play yeah compare the. let's compare the sharpshooter to the four-point play because the four-point play uh like like players top players could play i could get in these right yeah okay brick 75 they're in there okay so the sharpshooter to the four-point play okay so we got the four-point play they're still low stakes. Instead of even the fadeaway, just four point play and the sharpshooter. Well, actually, let's let's do all three. Let's do fadeaway, four point play, the big one, and the sharpshooter, which is the three dollar twenty max. Right. So here we go. Monk was even higher own. Westbrook was even higher on. The chalk was even higher on. And the sharpshooter, that $3. What, what's the size of that contest, though? Four-point play is 29727 The $3 contest is 7928 So it's a smaller contest. So it's the, the ownership is going to be a little bit more. A little bit more. It's still, I mean, it's still almost 8,000 inch. It's a smaller field contest. So yeah, the ownership is going to be different. Monk was higher owned. Westbrook was higher. It wasn't about the same. Giannis was much higher owned. Melton was higher owned. Even if we get away, get away from the the let's go, the fadeaway to the sharpshooter. Right? Stephen Adams was a little bit higher owned than the fadeaway. OG slightly barely. Just look at the green and the yellow, the difference. Jalen Brown was much higher owned in the, the fadeaway than he was in the, in the disruption. But is it, a lot of this difference because of sharpness or because of just the field size? It's a little bit of both. But you could use results to be to see that. If you're playing the lower stakes contests, you have to adjust that. You know, some people there's parts of the field that can't see what the good plays are right they don't know what the best projected lineups are to begin with but also in the lower stakes you have people that are more likely to jam chalk in and go oh they're the best players i gotta place all six of them so you get lineups that are all look like cash lineups. so you could take advantage of them a little bit more it depends it depends on the context but this is something that you could look at in results db Skylar Hewins, do you have any NFL showdown videos showing your building process? Probably in the Roto Grinders Premium. Maybe in the Roto Academy. I got tons, I got I've done so many videos. I know there's gotta be something in there, right? So if you sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, click on that link in the description, get ten dollars off your first month. You've got an entire backlog, back catalog of tutorial videos, strategy videos, tons of articles. I mean, everything. I mean. Sign up, consume everything you can in a month and then quit. I mean, you could, you could do that if you want. WIG 3H, when you were making your own ownership projections, wouldn't it make sense to increase or maybe double the current projection by what other sites are saying? No, you can't just do that across the board. You can't have that. You can't have 200% ownership, right? So doubling it isn't going to do anything. Everything is a, if, if a high-priced guy is more owned, that means other high-priced guys in that range are going to be lower owned. So I can't just go in and say, like, if I go here, let's. I mean, these are obviously the actuals. Well, if I, do a, if I do an aggregate, Precious is 17, so I'm going to make him 34. Well, if I make him 34, that means other guys are going to have to come. Nurkic can't be eight. He has to be four. He has to be the other direction, Right. If Giannis, let's say Giannis is not, let, I'm using a very extreme example. Giannis is 90% owned. Well, that means anyone at this, that means, that means Kevin Durant has to be almost nothing owned. Anthony Davis is probably not 15% owned, but 4% owned. So how are you going to fit the guys in the lineup? I mean, like Tatum is going to be 2% owned. So I can't just take Tatum and double it by seven. Oh, I'm going to double Giannis and then I'm going to double tape. No, you actually divide, you have, would have to divide the other one. All the ownership has to equal to what? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 800%. That's what the total ownership has to be. So all these numbers for the entire player pool has to add up to 800 to be, to be balanced. Do I have to get them perfect? Do I have to do all 800? Do I have to do all? I only have 32 players in this pool. Do I have to do all the, you know, how many, the other 400 play? No. I'm not looking to be perfect. I'm looking to be directionally accurate. But I know that, you know, the more that Westbrook's ownership goes up, the lower Van Vliet's, you know, lower Cole Anthony. And I had Westbrook at, at lower than 44, because I thought people would play more balanced builds. They would prioritize Giannis over Westbrook. And there were other guards to play on this slate. I thought it was harder to fill the small forward and power forward spots than and even maybe even the center spot than the guard spots. And that's kind of how it was reflected around the industry. Like you see us, we had a projected ownership 21.8, which is obviously off. You go to other sites, it was about the same, 24, 28. No one had 44, right? More likely, you know, we had uh, Giannis at 35, and he came in at 38, right? We had Anthony Davis at 16, he came in at 50. But understand that once one guy is off like that, it, it affects everything else. You get, oh, well, now that this guy's, now so many other things are going to be off. So it's impossible if there's so many Giannis uh, Westbrook lineups, some of these other guys have to, you know, CJ McCollum can't be 12% off. right? Scotty Barnes can't be 10% owner. Sean Holmes can't be 8% though. Graham can't be 15. They have to come down. Melton can't be 32. If so many guard spots, more guard spots should be taken by Westbrook. So you got to start bumping them down. But that's what I do. I mean, that's, I mean, that's essentially what I do. I look around the industry. I listen to stuff. I look at lineups. I look at cash lineups and I go, The more and more these guys are jammed into cash lineups, the higher on they're going to be. So I have to use those numbers. I think I'm better, I think I'm better at predicting ownership than than straight algorithmic and math, math math-wise. Because human beings aren't rational. Why is there no court IQ for Fandle? Why, of course there's, why wouldn't there be court IQ? Court IQ is for anything. IQ exists for anything, What I don't even understand the difference of why you would why it would matter which site. Court IQ, I mean, what what, what, are you, what are you looking to do? I'm just clicking on the first one. What you could click here's FanDuel DraftKings right for the scoring system, only because it's slightly different, so I don't know what you're talking about. You just click on FanDuel DraftKings, Yahoo, SuperDraft it'll change whatever the fantasy point value is based on their scoring system. It's not going to dramatically make it any much of a difference. So no, we know we have cord IQ for Fandle. I rarely use court IQ. I I bet some people would know the reason why. Because anything you find in Cord IQ would be in the projection. I mean, that's, 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 you can find out the why. Why is this guy's rejection so high or so low? Well, go to court. You can probably find, figure it out. Let's see. Anything else in the YouTube chat? Right, Wig 3 says, if everyone's saying Russ is the nuts, then just by that, people will roster him more. Right, but you have to figure out how much more, right? I knew it was more than, we had him at 22. I knew it would be more than that. I don't know how much more than that. Right? I'd, how much of a priority was Westbrook over Giannis? I just thought with the constructions that you can make, it was more valuable to get power forward, center, small forward type positions filled. And there were enough guards that projected well, that maybe it would be more balanced. And it wasn't. I was wrong. The consensus was, I, the ownership across the board, everywhere was wrong on that. Did it? But if you take a look at the lineups that If I had known, did it change that much? No, it didn't. I still actually, even though Westbrook in my, in my in my run, I had him at 26 projected ownership. He came in at 44. So you would expect with that extra 18 percentage points of ownership that I'd end up having less of it. And you know what ended up happening? That I had more. (laughs) So it didn't make it that much of a difference because I already had him in plenty of So, I mean, if you take a look at the lineups differences between my lineups that I did play and the lineups that I possibly would have played, it wasn't that dramatically different. It just maybe out of my ten lineups, I would have had like from a diversification standpoint, maybe instead of three CJ McCollum lineups, I have six CJ McCollum lineups, right? Instead of eight Anthony Davis lineups, I have five Anthony Davis lineups, right? Something like. Affected more of the diversification, if anything, but the actual lineups, the way they looked, the player pool, the everything—you know—kind of very similar enough that I, I don't think I was punished that much. I, like I said, I think I was I was punished by anywhere between one to three points from having inaccurate ownership. But that—that's no—that's a normal range. You're never going to get to the point <coughs> where you're projecting ownership so well. That you're not sacrificing, uh, you know, less than a point. You're not sacrificing less than a point based on the ownership discrepancy between uh, projected and actual. Typically, it's somewhere between somewhere between that one to three. If you're giving up seven, eight points, then you then, then you screwed up. And then then you then you totally then that's the, then your ownership is way off at that point. Uh, Trey says this is incredible. It is. It's, is this incredible? To me, it's common sense. It's not that incredible. I it finally, things finally clicked for me after listening to you all last year in this season. I see things clearly now. I don't care about who it puts in my lineup and it works out. Play whoever you want. Right, there you go. I got a convert, P-P-W-Y-W. Uh, Let's see, Daniel Hutchins says, working through some counterfactuals is an important part of a winning process. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, Jacob Calloway says simming ownership for the contest size is still a big edge. 99% of the field uses ownership made for large for that's absolutely correct. Right. But that's what I do because I'm using that type of ownership is I'm finding the, like, that's the, to me, uh, how obviously simming the contest is much more precise. I absolutely agree. I know Daniel does that. I know Jacob does that, but if you're not going to sim finding, I used the, the, the blunt way. Finding the range. So when I run lineups, like here, I'm going to take off the ownership caps. And I'm going to run 50 lines. Okay, I already have the groups. Let me, let me get rid of the groups. Okay, let me get rid of any type of do not play this guy with that guy groups, whatever. Okay, so I'm going to run 50 lineups with the actual owners. It doesn't even matter. I'm not even putting it in. My cash lineup should be number one. And it is. I don't know why. Uh, Let's see. Oh, because I took guys out of the player pool. I don't know. Who am I not playing that, that was in my cash lineup? Did I take people out? I took Batum out, maybe. Yeah. To do an example, let me. Yeah, I took Monk out. I took Batum out. Okay, so now let's now let's run it. Okay, so you use this. This would be the actual ownership in the fadeaway, which is the large field contest. So here you go. Here's my cash line. There, there you go. Right, two eighty eight point seven nine, and that's what it would come up here. Right, two eighty eight point seven nine. Okay, but at two hundred and twenty eight percent total ownership. So now I'm looking for that drop two oh five. So it drops here. So I'm going to start removing lineups that don't meet the one that's above it. So 205 looks pretty good for 288. A, that's a really good line in comparison to some of these other ones. 195, okay, there's a 195 lineup. So this should be the top 50 optimal lineups. So I'm finding the very top end of the range that where I'm sacrificing some projection, yet I'm still getting a lineup that's within the top 50 optimals. Right, here's 188. So I'm going through. This is, obviously we're using actual ownership now. We're not using projected ownership. So this is like, had we have known. So all I'm doing using this process is not finding lineups. I'm just trying to find where the range is. 185, 188, 168. And this is why I said before, I think the range was 160 to 180, not 135 to 160. For the contests that I'm playing, which are somewhere between 400 and 1,200 entries. And 17, I played the the $88 box out, that's 1,800 entries. So I'm trying to find that, that range. I don't think I'm going to find anything under 168 here in the top 50. Right. I'm not, I don't think so. 177, 188, 200. Okay. So now these lineups, these six lineups are in the top 50 optimals. Now I'm likely not going to play my cash. Right. The highest own lineup. I'm going to get rid of that. So I'm going to go, what do I think of this line? Right. Don't worry about the correlation or anything like that. So I'm like, this is, this is playable, but I'm probably not, I'm not going to find anything in between 205 and 195 because it would have shown up in the top 50. So I'm probably going to get rid of this also. So now that I'm starting to get like 195, 188, like, and I'm sacrificing like one and a half points, two points of projection for the contest that I'm playing. That's that that's that's about right. So I got my lowest one is one sixty eight. I'm gonna have to go lower than this because this is, this was the top fifty. So if I went one sixty eight to one ninety five, I should only find basically these four lines. So I need to go a little bit high, a little bit lower. The highest would be one ninety five, which means I would be playing this line, one ninety five, and the lowest is one sixty eight. So let me put in one sixty. So now I would find the range for the contest that I'm playing. For large field contests, that may not be enough leverage. That maybe still be a little bit too chalky. So instead of having to go and like sim out, well, let me change the projected ownership to what I think the ownership is going to be in the two hundred and fifty dollar putback. Like I, I, I don't know, and then I have to change it for the hundred dollar showtime, and then I have to change it for the eighty eight dollar box out, because because I mean the two fifty putback is a is four hundred so entries. The $80 box out is 1,800 entries. Well, that there's a difference there. So I'm going to put in 160 to 195. It's like, I I believe that's the range of what I'm looking for, for the contest that I'm playing. Let's see what the 50 lineups there. Let's see if we could find, let's see if there are any. Okay, we got got 50. Not capping anything. We may get like 100% of people. Maybe we don't even get 50. Maybe it's stuck. It's stuck. Someone we'll nudge it. Okay, there we go. Okay, we got a lot of Malik. You're going to have to play a lot of Malik Monk then. Let me delete all these other builds to get out of our way. Right, so we got 195 at 286. 192 at 286. 188 at 286. 185. Now, these are the lineups that I, I'd be looking at. Do I, how much Malik Monk do I want to play? That's the question. How much? How much of some of these guys do I want to play? Let's say I need to choose 10 of these lineups or 10 lineups like this. This is where I would look. These are the ranges I would look at for the contest, the smaller, small to midsize field that I'm playing. And then at this point, it's just a matter of which lineups do I want to play. I identified the range. I'm not giving up dramatic amounts of projection. Right? Not even towards the bottom. Right? But probably whatever's at this bottom, like 282, I probably shouldn't give up anything less than that in any lineup, somewhere around there. So, like I said, based on the actual ownership, I was building lineups with a projection around 280, not 282 as my lowest. So hence, hence my margin of error on the slate was two projection based on inefficient projected ownership. But if you see, if you see here, I I, I hope people that are maybe new to the pregame show. Maybe new to NBA DFS. We review, We review, We reviewed an entire slate. We reviewed an entire process. We reviewed how to go over and re-optimize and re- Like if I had known on the whole process, didn't mention anything about basketball. Nothing, nothing about actual basketball. These just names on a spreadsheet. Using uh, everything about basketball is already in this FPTS now. Right now, it's just a matter of like, what is the field going to do in relation to it? And how do I build plus EV lineups based on that, based on the contest that I'm playing? If you were playing the fadeaway, your range probably wouldn't have been this. You probably wouldn't have been playing, you know, 195 total ownership type of lineups. Right. You wouldn't, you probably wouldn't have had 80% Malik Monk. You would have found some way to not play in a lot of lines. You would have gone low. You would have probably gone more lower in the range that I was in. So I was off for, for my, my, my smaller field stuff. But I still did well. And my lineups didn't look all that dramatically different. A little here, a little there. Probably would have had less Caldwell-Pope. Probably would have had less Cole-Anthony. Probably would have had, you know, probably would have had more pressures at Shua. I'm looking at this going, okay, I would have had more Middleton. Maybe I would have had a Middleton lineup. I didn't have any, but definitely Scotty Barnes at three percent. I would have had one or two out of ten of that. But still, I mean, if I get if I put him in instead of someone else, I mean, I probably end up with the same amount of points anyway. My lineups were pretty good. I, had to, I think out of my ten lineups, I think six out of ten cash, and obviously one, you know, cash for three thousand. So, so very profitable, profitable day. Not as profitable as could it have been but a profitable day nonetheless. Uh, Grant Brown, how do we get to the prior day's projections? Curious to see how the winning lineup are top three projected and if or how to get to it. You could do that. I have it up right here. There's this date field, right? Just go to the previous date. Go to any date you want. And what it'll do is it'll show the projection and the actual. And you could use projection and actual to optimize. Now, some of these guys, like I showed yesterday, like what would be the top lineup? Like using yesterday, the top five lineups, possible, right? by Okay, no, this is by projection. By actual, the top five lineups, possible yesterday was this. So the top is 382, okay? And it would have had, barely owned Jalen McDaniels, barely owned Cody Martin, both Booker and Aiton, Montrezl Harrell, right? Is this lineup, like, who's making this lineup? Like, how do you get to this lineup? This isn't the important thing. Don't worry about how do I get to the nut lineup? Because if we take a look at the fadeaway, the winning lineup was 353.5. The best possible lineup was 382. Your goal isn't to get the best possible lineup. It's probably going to contain some random dude that's barely owned that you don't need. Okay. So if anything, you, you should be weeding those guys out saying, I don't know how I could have, there's nothing projection wise that I would have ever gotten. Like he went, he went like, look at these projection versus actual, it doubled. So this is like a three standard deviation, right? Like Jaden Jalen McDaniel's ceiling yesterday. If I I could probably go because I still have yesterday's. Let's say Jalen McDaniel's. He's in the he's in the excluded. McDaniel's, Mick. Jalen Mc, Jalen McDaniel's not Jaden McDaniel's. Jalen McDaniel's ceiling, which is the eighty fourth percentile, is twenty three point five two. Okay which means he scored 33, which is like over three standard deviations over the median, right? Yeah, th- those are such outliers that like, how did I not see it? No, no one's going to see that. Like that, those are things that are not seeable. And he's barely owned anyway. So it's like, it doesn't even matter. So those are the guys that I, if anything, you weed out. You go, how would I possibly gotten to, to McDaniels? Or Harold facing, you know, obviously got, got time because of an injury. Of course, Cody Martin or Anthony side, you take a look, take a look at the projected ownership and just say, get rid of those guys. Right. And then run it. If anything, then you're going, okay, well let me take a look at the top five from there. If you want, could you have gotten to Vanderbilt? Conchar who's playing Conchar? You're not getting there. Vanderbilt. Was he in play? Was he technically in play? I guess so. Was he owned even? Let's take a look at the fadeaway. Was Vanderbilt even owned? Point one three percent. So he was he was immaterial also. So we're going to get rid of him also. So where's where do we get Vanderbilt? Get rid of him because you don't need a look three seventy one. you, st- you would have won by you would have won by almost twenty points. So you don't care about the nut lineup. You care about lineups that would have possibly you could have possibly built and still scored more. So I got rid of those guys. Who's playing Buddy Heald on this slate? Was Heald Heald in play? Let's take a look. Heald was barely on, but I mean, it was half a percent on. So I I guess he was playable. Right, you get rid of that and you build another five. Let's see. Right. P.J. Tucker. Who's getting to P.J. Tucker on this slate? No one. Right, take a look down here. Maybe you play, but right. Like you look at this lineup 370. Graham, Heald, Giddy, Basley, SGA. So you're playing three Thunder without any Lakers, playing Giannis and Ayton. But any of these lineups would have crushed. Would have, I mean, you would have won $100,000 and beaten, beaten the top score by, by 17 points. Like, did you need to play those lineups? No. Your goal is not to try to make the best possible lineup. It's just to try to make the, the better lineups than your opponents. So don't necessarily go into these historic projections from the day before or whenever, and go. How would I have gotten to the optimal lineup? Possible, the best possible. And no one, no one gets there. You don't need that. That's not your goal. So going and saying, how would I have gotten to PJ Tucker and Jalen Victor? You, no one's getting there. There's no rationalization behind that. I think it's more important to do the process that I showed before. Of had I have known X, I would have played more of Y or Z, and how would have my lineups differed. And would they, would they end up being better or worse, regardless of the results. But using the historic projections in lineup HQ, you could, you could, you know, okay, if I would have done this, you know, you could kind of, if I would have had the same exposures, could I have ended up at a, you know, a lineup that would have beat the top could You could do that. I don't think it's that valuable of an exercise, but it's better than nothing. Oh, let's see. Anything else before we get out of here? Brian Tedeschi can you walk through your process for late swap i for uh, for 150 lineups two reasons why i can't do that one i didn't play 150 lineups yesterday and number two the late swap tool only really works. there's only i can only show you when it's when it's happening right the late swap tool s- serves no purpose now cuz no players would be locked so i can't import a csv of nothing like like the re- the late swap tool works the same way as the regular builder until after the first game locks. Because the only purpose of the late swap tool is to make sure in your CSV that a locked guy is still in the same cell, still in the same spot, right? Because you can't move him out. It'll give you an error if you upload the draftkings or a fan tool or whatever. So all the late swap tool is doing is you download your CSV again from the site at that time and it'll lock the guys in the right spots. And then you can rebuild whatever you want. But I, I can't show that process to you uh, with with 150 set number one, need, I need 150 set, and it would need to be between seven and eleven. Have to be between that. So all it would do would do the same thing as the actual build. I mean, it, it wouldn't lock anyone. In. If it's not locking anyone in, then you might as well just use the why are you using the the rebuilder side of it? Just use the just use the regular what we've been doing. Uh Trey, if you hit optimize on the right sidebar, does that always give you the top optimal regardless of what player pool you've created? No, it gives you the top based on your player pool. But it it, it disregards all rules. So for instance, let's go to yesterday, right? So this was yesterday's. So based on my 34 players that I have in here, this would be the top optimal, right? So this was my cash. If I take out Malik Monk, it'll show me the top optimal based on this player pool. So it won't have, it won't have Malik Monk in it. He's not eligible to be part of this. But if I have a million player groups, or what, it doesn't take into account the build rules or any, it doesn't take into account anything else. All this line of preview does is optimize for whatever's in your player. pool. That's it, right? If you only have seven guys in your player pool, it's going to give you an error because it'll be like, eh, you don't have anything, right? So if you want to do, if you want to build cash lineups and you don't want to like, and you already have all these rules and whatever, like I use the lineup preview. You just go, you click either. Uh, do I like this lineup? You look at this and you go, I, I, let's say you say to yourself, I'm not playing Melton cash. I'm not playing Batuman cash. Too vol- volatile or whatever, if you wanted to, right? Like I can't play, I can't play Nick Batuman cash. So you X amount. out. And then you run it again. You go, how about this line? Without Batum. Giddy, Davis. How about this line? Oh, I like this lineup better. Okay, then there you go. You're done. You could obviously see the projection difference up here. So you're playing Westbrook, Monk, Giddy, Davis, Achua, Melton, Bain, McCollum. You're not playing Giannis. Right? And let's say he's like, no, I need to make sure to play Giannis, but I don't want to play D- D- Batum. So just lock him in. And then run, press the button again. Right? So SGA Monk Allen Giannis Precious Westbrook Bay Milton. They'd be like, okay, this is the best lineup that has Giannis and doesn't play Nick Batou. right? Because that's you'd excluded him. But it doesn't. The rules and the groups and if you're if you're making GPP lineups, like you could leave those alone because you just use the sidebar to do this type of thing. Yeah, oh, that's the cash lineup I want to play, okay, and then you, you enter. It uh let's see anything else before we get out of here a lot lot a lot of questions a lot a lot of uh, good which is a good thing uh is the nba premium subscription not enough to go back in yesterday's slate and change the projection no that we don't ha- we don't have that functionality that's why that's why i said leave up your lineup hq from the night from the night before like that's what I, I purposely did that, knowing that I'd be doing this show. I do that anyway, because typically I leave everything, because I, I may have to late swap. I may have to do other things, and then I end up, you know, I fall asleep or whatever. I'm, like, I'm done. So when I come back to my computer in the morning, everything is the way it is where I left it at, you know, 10 o'clock last night. Anyway. Uh. Duh, duh, duh. Jeff Wong, did the top pros make more money from better projections? What percent is from building strategy versus better projections? I'd say 99% from building strategy, 1% from better projections. That's the difference. The best projection, the the difference between projection sets, especially in basketball is not that dramatic, right? I think the Roto-Grinders projections, player projections are the best in the industry, but it's not that much better than any, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that hard to build, build an NBA projection model that, that, is, that is good. And then have a team behind it that knows the rotations and everything and the usage rates and all those things to edit, you know, throughout the day. This guy's in, this guy's out. What happens here? Uh, how, does, how does the matchup play out? They're going to play big. They're going to play small. This, you know, stuff like that. So you can put in all the inputs and get, get you know, accurate numbers. But it's not that hard. That's not the hard part. The problem is is that so much of the field is concerned more about predicting the out who's going to do well. Well, this guy projects better than that guy. It's like, well, what's their ownership? Why do I care? I just care about who's going to do well. Well, that's not how you play DFS. You're playing a peer to be your game competitively against other people. If everyone's looking at the same information, I'm going to play the, I'm going to play the top 150 optimal lineups. You're you're, you're going to bleed money doing it. Yeah, you're playing high projected lineups that have limited relative value because so many other people are playing similar players. You're not getting that many points that other people aren't getting. But that's where the mistakes come in. That's when that's where casual or average players they start from that and they go, "I just want to play the eight best plays in my lineup." Not realizing that for the contest that they're playing the $15 fade away, the goal isn't to play the best eight players in your lineup. That's a that's a strategy that's that strategy. Building strategies for doubles, where it's not progressively payout. Just to get the to get to the fifty percent mark, and you all get paid the same amount. You don't get paid extra for getting more points than other people, right? Getting points that other people don't have. And a progressive payout where it's hundred k to first, forty k to second, twenty k to third, and by the time you get to twentieth place, it's a kick in the nuts, right? The points that other people that you get that other people don't are worth way more which means you're probably not going to, you're not going to be playing eight of the best plays. You're going to be playing eight of the best plays in comparison to their ownership and the frequency in the contest. That second part is where most people go wrong. That's, that's what building strategy would be if you want to classify it as that. I could, give, I could give two play I could give a, a, a new DFS player the same projections that I use, the rotobriters projections. I could even give them the same ownership that I use, right? And I could tell them, I want, you to, I want you to build five lineups for the same contest that I'm playing, right? Fade away. Let's say we're both building five, five lineups for the fade away. I guarantee my lineups, all five of my lineups are going to be higher EV than their lineups. Because I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, should I play this guy? They, they're either going to play lineups that are way too chalky and high projected, or they can play lineups that are way too contrarian and low projected. I'm going to find the building strategy that gives me plus EV lineups the whole way through. Different types, different standard deviations of lineups. And obviously the second that the best way to do that is through simulations, through through data analysis like that. I'll, I'll, I I I do it the bluntly pretty well. I'm directionally accurate enough. So the projections in and of themselves for GPBs no, without a building strategy you you, you you're going to be a loot, you're going to be a losing player. Now for cash games, then no, you play the top optimal lineup. You're probably good. You're probably, if you play the top optimal lineup of any projection set in the industry, you're, you're, you're at worst trading rate. At worst. So basically you're losing a little bit of money to, to the rate at worst. But I've seen I see lineups, I see lineups built by ad, average players in cash games in my head to heads. They're way worse, way, way worse. They're like, you know, why are you giving up 12 points of projection for no apparent reason? Dude, like if I ran my projections, which are the Roto-Grinders projections, your lineup would rank 6,700. Right? I'm playing Popper. How often do you think you're going to beat me? Right? So for cash game, projections, I, almost, I mean, if there's screaming value, you could identify that yourself, typically by eye. Right? Middleton is out today. Giannis is down to 7,000. I mean, obviously you're playing a guy that's 4,000 underpriced. Uh let's see anything else yeah it's just basically daniel and jacob talking to each other sharp players talking to each other that that's what that's what we try to do here we, we got some sharp people in the chat always i don't know why they spend their time here doing, doing listening to me answer questions as i always do so this is what I, this is what we do on the dfs pregame show so uh give me that thumbs up so I me mean, th- up up on your way out the door. And these are evergreen. I mean, you like you if you, if, you, if you're like oh, I, I, I don't know what what Jordan did that other day. It's like dude, this is on YouTube. All the I mean, dude, you could go back. I've been doing the show for a year and a half, right? It took a bit of a hiatus during COVID or whatever, but like a year and a half. You like you could start from the beginning and watch these shows. they they're all ever they're pretty much all evergreen. We might be talking about a slate from a year and a half ago, an NFL slate showdown slate from last year but it's all based around these concepts. So that this is, to me, this is what playing DFS is. And a lot of people, and you're beating people by playing this way, which is profitable, which is the correct strategic way to play. You're beating 95% of people that out there that, you know, think it's about basketball. I, mean, I, I didn't mention, I didn't mention a damn thing about basketball this for, for an hour. Just, oh, there's a bunch of numbers. And how do we put the numbers together better than other people put the numbers together? That, that, that to me, that's what the game is. That's exactly what the game is, uh, and it, it applies to every sport. So uh, you could, you could that those types of concepts on how to do that, the, the the game theory is in my is in my masterclass, right? The theory of daily fantasy sports, how to think like a professional DFS player. It's a fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass. So you know, what I would said you go back a year and a half and watch every hour of the DFS pregame show. It's going to be a lot. You're going to be spending weeks upon weeks without sleep trying to watch all of that. All the, the main concepts, all of everything is in this 15-hour audio. It's like a seminar. It's like going to a seminar, me teaching you all of these concepts that you can apply to any sport, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA. It's not specific how to play this sport. It's how to play daily fantasy sports as a game in, in a professional manner. Like your, play, your, your primary goal is to make money, right? It's to be plus EV and make money, right? and if they, they, playing this way is not fun for you then so i, I that's perfectly fine play, play for entertainment but my goal is my goal to, to me the scoreboard is making money over time long term so you can see all this chapters here you can go to theoryofdfs.com and pick up the 15 hour audio dfs masterclass and uh, we got we got showdown later today uh, we got nba crunch uh, we got nba grinders live tonight, or crunch time, or free crunch time, there's something, there's something going on later today for NBA here, and then I'll be back, I'll be back for the, for the showdown show, the pre-lock show, for the showdown slate, we got, uh, everyone's out for the Packers, I don't know who's catching balls for the Packers tonight, but uh, I'll I'll be there, I'll be with, uh, with STL cards, breaking down the Thursday night football showdown slate, and then I'll be back tomorrow for, for casual Friday, uh, and we got a big MMA card, early, early Saturday, so, Hopefully we get, hopefully the, not, no fights fall out, nothing, no replacements. I'll be able to get my my little spreadsheet up and then give you give you some info on the, the shortly for the, you know, not the whole show for, for MMA on that card coming from Abu Dhabi and, uh, and anything else you want to talk about tomorrow. Uh, answering your DFS strategy questions, everything that I could possibly do to teach you how to play DFS better, I do here on the DFS pregame show on Roto Grinders ga